0: Welcome to all of you from your centers. All of you that have faith to learn about the teachings of the Buddha. The last week we learnt about Venerable Maha Pantaka and Venerable Chula Pantaka. We learnt that Chula Pantaka had very dull wisdom, that he couldn't even remember short teachings of the Buddha. But because of his Parami, the spiritual accumulations that he had built up, he entered the net of compassion of the Buddha. And the Buddha taught him by getting him to keep rubbing a clean white cloth. While he was doing this and repeating, Raja Haranang Raja Harati, this cloth is dirty. Through the power of the Buddha, the clean white cloth the Buddha gave him became dirtier until it became very black. When he opened his eyes, he saw the black cloth. Dispassion arose, and he thought, this cloth was clean and pure, but when it was rubbed by me, it changed to be like this. The sankaras, the physical and mental aggregates, are impermanent like this. With this, the Buddha gave him a teaching, and he attained to becoming an arahant. That morning, the Buddha received a meal invitation at Dr. Jiwaka's house. But the Buddha would not receive the food given by Dr. Jiwaka because the Buddha told him that there was still one monk in Veluwana Monastery who hadn't come yet. Dr. Jiwaka told his attendant to go there to invite that monk to come. But when he went to the monastery, there was a thousand monks, all with the same face. It was Chulapantaka that had created 1000 manifold bodies with his psychic powers. The attendant didn't know which monk he was looking for, so he went back to tell Dr. Jiwaka. The Buddha told him to get whichever monk speaks first. The attendant of Dr. Jiwaka went again and asked the monks, Which monk is Chulapantaka? Then one monk answered, I am Chulapantaka and then the intendant grabbed his hand then the other 999 monks disappeared and chulapantaka came to the meal invitation this was to show that he had attained to becoming an arahant already the buddha wished to show the great virtue that had arisen in his disciple he wasn't the old chulapantaka with dull wisdom anymore he had attained psychic powers as well as becoming a noble arahant that had gotten rid of all the mental defilements. In this story, you can also see that the subject of karma is difficult to comprehend because in Chulapantaka's past life, there was one monk who was learning Dhamma and memorizing, but he had dull wisdom, and Chulapantaka laughed and teased him. And this made that monk stop putting effort into learning the Dhamma. And this resulted in karma which followed Chulapantaka. Even though in this last life he would attain to becoming an arahant because of the very good karma he had done. But the bad karma would result first and made him not even remember anything. This is knowledge of the workings of karma. And many people won't believe that it's true and that this law of karma exists that karmic actions that one has done gives results that lead one to receive happiness and suffering in various lifetimes. Chula Pantaka had built merit and had done good karma, which would give results leading to happiness, until ultimately he was able to attain to becoming an arahant. So this subject is Achinteya, which translates as things that should not be thought about. It's beyond the ability of humans to be able to comprehend and think of them. There are many things that one may try to think about a lot, even using the excuse that they'll think using their wisdom. But one may think and ponder constantly over it and try to find the answer. But these questions have arisen before in the past, which have no answer. And to think too much about it, one's views may become distorted. So what are the subjects that are incomprehensible? The first is the range of what is known by a Buddha. This is known only by a Buddha. The Buddha has the knowledge to know clearly into the world. Though we humans have wisdom, but this wisdom is tiny in regards to this world. There are some problems that humans aren't able to think about or to find the answer to. It is only for a Buddha to be able to know these. Even the chief disciples of the Buddha aren't able to know on the level of a Buddha. There was once on a rainy day that Venerable Sariputta, the right hand chief disciple, was wishing to enter Samadhi to count the number of raindrops that fell. The Buddha said to Venerable Sariputta that this is not to be known by a disciple. It is only a Buddha that can do this. So this is one example. This is to show that the development of wisdom and knowledge depends on the spiritual accumulations of the individual. The Buddha is the highest level, where even the chief disciples aren't able to know on this level. The normal noble disciples of the Buddha have wisdom and knowing lower than the chief disciples. It goes down like this. So no one can know on the range of knowledge of the Buddhas. One can't think to that level, And to do so may make one become mad. The second subject is jhana, the mental absorptions. This also refers to the ones who have jhana. They can do more than normal people, even those that have knowledge in this world. So we shouldn't think, for example, how come they can do it like that? Why is it more special than what ordinary humans can do? But in regards to jhanas, If they are still on the mundane or worldly level or even if they are considered very impressive such as Devadatta that could do special things that could make King Ajastru gain faith in him it is still a mundane jhana. So we have to be careful not to get deluded in special or amazing things that are still on the mundane or worldly level as they can still degrade. So this is referring to jhana and psychic powers but if one may be able to use them to give benefit to others, such as through making the minds of others reduce their conceit and making them open to accepting Dhamma teachings. There was one child who came to Wat Pong, who took a bottle of water to Venerable Ajahn Chah to get it blessed by him. He placed the bottle down and Ajahn Chah was just talking about this and that, on and on, and eventually the child asked for permission to leave. Ajancha Chah told him to take the bottle of water back with him. He felt that Ajancha Chah didn't even touch his bottle of water to bless it. He felt disappointed and he was having unwholesome thoughts. He decided he didn't want the water so he went to pour it out. He had no more faith in it so didn't want it anymore. But when he tried to pour it, the water wouldn't come out. However he tried, the water couldn't be poured out. So he had to go back to ask for forgiveness from Ajahn Chah. This could happen from the power of the high samadhi of Ajahn Chah that was able to lower people's ego and stubbornness so that he could teach them the Dhamma. But he didn't do this often and only to some people. He also didn't boast about himself, that he had the different knowledges and abilities. Sometimes I would think whether Ajahn Chah knew the mind of others whether he knew if that monk had samadhi or what level and attainments their practice was at. When I asked Ajahn Chah, he simply said, Hmm, when the monks and novices are just walking here and there, I see their mannerisms and I already know the level of their minds. He never said that I can see their mind with my mind. I have a high level of samadhi and jhana. I know the minds of others. I know where people's practice are at or to what level of attainment. Ajahn Chah never boasted like this. But how he replied was on a higher level of wisdom. I see the mannerisms and how the monks behave themselves and I know what their minds are like. He talked in a way with wisdom of the highest level. That is being modest and not boastful. And behaving in this way truly shows the sharp wisdom of Ajahn Chah. Well, we have to be careful about this knowledge of the range of jhana. And we know that the workings of karma is difficult to understand. We may like to ask, what is the cause that the result was like this? Why did they need to receive that type of suffering? And what was the karma they did? We shouldn't think too much in this way. If we do, then it will be suffering. We won't be able to overcome it and it can damage our mindfulness. In regards to this, I want to share a story with you of when Ajahn Chah had spent the rains retreat in the province of Ayutthaya. In Ayutthaya, there is a lot of water and in that place, the monks would have to row a boat to go for alms round. On this particular alms round, there was one monk who had a large sized alms bowl and one other monk whose alms bowl was small. The one who had a small arms bowl had to row the boat because the monk with the large arms bowl didn't know how to row. And the monk with the small bowl would get less food on alms. The other monk with a big bowl got a lot of food, but did not have to expend any energy rowing. The monk with a small bowl proliferated a lot about this. Why is it like this? I row, I get tired rowing, but I get less food. He has a big bowl and gets more food. The monk kept thinking like this over and over that he was being taken advantage of. Ajahn Chah told that monk, don't think too much, you'll go crazy. The monk didn't believe Ajahn Chah and in the end this monk really did go crazy. Ajahn Chah knew what was happening in the present and what would happen in the future. He warned that monk but he didn't listen. It may have been his karma that it turned out this way. But this is about the working of karma that one cannot comprehend. And this is similar to Venerable Chula Pantaka who was an Arahant. But he had the result of karma that were both good and bad. The bad result of karma made him have dull wisdom. But the good result of karma led him to attain to becoming an Arahant. Because he could meet with the Buddha. And for us, it's not a sure thing. In this long cycle of samsara, the continuous cycle of birth and death, we may have met a Buddha. We may have given alms to him. We may have built merit and parami with a Buddha. All of us have firm faith in the Buddha sasana in this life and we are determined to build goodness. In the future, if we are to attain to becoming an arahant, we won't be reborn again. But if far into the future, we have not yet attained and are still building Parami in this round of Sangsara. We may be reborn and gain the knowledge that in this life we have now, we have built goodness and learnt Dhamma every Friday. We practice chanting and meditation. We help to build monasteries, the buildings and the stupa. We may have ordained in the Buddha Sasana. We have chanted pujas with sincerity and joy, recollecting the virtues of the Buddha with a mind full of true faith. You all have built merit and goodness in this life, so we can reflect on that. So in this present life, we believe in the law of karma, and so we determined to do the most good karma that we're able to, and we are determined to give up all the bad karma to the best of our ability and we train our mind to develop samadhi the most we can in this life. We now have a good opportunity because we have met the teachings of the Buddha. Later, if we are born sometime in the future and we think back to the past, we would think that we have done really well. So may you all be intent in doing this. And the fourth subject that one cannot comprehend is a state of the world. This may be thinking about the cycle of samsara or thinking about the world in ways such as who created the sun, the moon, the mountains, the trees, or about this world and the next world, or about whether heaven and hell are real. To think like this has no benefit. Or thinking, did we have a previous life? What were we born as? Later on? What will we be born as? This line of thinking keeps going on and on and never ends. The knowledge of the Buddha saw that the cycle of saṃsāra that has passed has no end, that there was an original mind that had no mental defilements, but we won't be able to comprehend it. Thoughts like when did the original mind arise and when did the mental defilements arise, we can't know them we can reflect that in this present life there have been things that we have forgotten such as like the code for our safe or forgetting one's keys. There have been important things that we have forgot about or lost. And so this cycle of samsara, which has carried on for an inconceivably long time, how would we know this mind in the beginning or when the mental defilements arose or what it was like back then? This is too difficult and impossible to know. If we think like this, we can go mad. This is the subject about the world that we shouldn't think about. So the four incomprehensible things is the knowledge of a Buddha, the workings of jhana, the workings of karma, and the speculation about the world. Don't think about them and waste time on it. It is better to instead contemplate on how to build goodness as much as we can in this life, How to give up the evil and unskillful in the mind the most we can in this life. And how to purify our minds. This is walking the path by practicing as an offering to the Buddha. So may we learn about the things that we should, do or shouldn't do. The things that have benefit or don't have benefit. Some questions have no answer. One may keep asking and asking them and we think that it will be good. But even the one being asked the questions may have anger arise. So you may think that some things have no answer. Some problems have answers that arise on their own. May you practice Dhamma and stay within the range of reflection that all things arise from karma. Good karma gives happy and pleasant results. Bad karma has bad results of suffering. But we all have done a lot of bad and good karma in our lifetimes in the cycle of saṃsāra. May your merit and goodness give you the mindfulness and wisdom to have true knowing and have happiness in the world and in the Dhamma. May you all understand and see the Dhamma of the Buddha.